Uh, good morning. Uh, it's always a great joy to be uh, with you all, and it's a privilege to study the Word of God with you. Uh, please open your Bibles to the book of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6. And I'll read from verses 5 through 15. It reads, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. If you can take some time to observe how people conduct themselves every day, if you look at their decision-making, look at the way they spend their money, look at their priorities, you will see that people do not want to deprive themselves of anything they desire. It is not their will to submit under any other will but their own will. Think about how many people will be complaining this afternoon when they remember that tomorrow they have to wake up in the morning and do something that is against their will. They have to wake up while it is still cold and go to work and go to school. Things like waking up early in the morning, going to school or work are not something that people like. They are against their will. Some of these people don't mind waking up early in the morning when they are going on holiday. So that shows that the main problem is not really waking up in the morning. Likewise, some people don't like night shifts, but they don't mind going to nightclubs to dance for the whole night. You've probably heard some stories about sports people, like soccer players who, when they were young, only wanted to play soccer. They would miss school just to go and play soccer. At that time, soccer was everything to them. But as soon as they became professional players, as soon as soccer became their job, they started missing practice and sometimes games. The very thing they loved became a heavy burden to them. Why? What is the problem? The will is the problem. They never want to submit under anyone. People are driven by their will. 
They only want to do things on their terms and conditions. Humans trust their own will. Humans want to wake up in the morning only to do their will. But the problem is that man is tainted by sin. The will of man is corrupted by sin. Man messes up everything that he touches. Start a business, hire people and tell them to work according to their own will and see if that business will last a month. Now the question is, if man, because of his will, is incapable of doing good in other people's business, how then can he be expected to do good in God's business while following his own will? After Jesus taught his disciples to pray for the kingdom of God to come, he taught them to pray for the will of God. And this morning, we are focusing on the revealed will of God. The revealed will of God is God's plan that he communicated to human beings and expect them to actively pursue and execute both for their good and for his glory. For our sermon this morning, I want us to look at the three headings from Matthew 6, verse 10b. One, the requirement. Two, the location of the requirement. And three, the demonstration of the requirement. Let us look at our first head, the requirement. Matthew 6, verse 10b, your will be done. First, I want to be clear, as I said when we were looking at the first part of the prayer, that this is the prayer of the redeemed. This is a prayer of those who are already in Christ. Jesus here talks about the requirement of those who are already his followers. As they pray, they should ask God to help them fulfill the requirement. And that requirement is to execute his will. It is to execute the will of God. In the first eight verses of chapter 6, Jesus showed a problem of the unregenerated people. As you will see, this is who we are before we are saved by God. In Matthew 6 verse 1, the unregenerate practice righteousness to be seen by others. These are people who are pure in the eyes of the world. They are respected because of their good conduct. They are, they are regarded as examples in their communities. In fact, they are the standard of righteousness in the areas where they reside. Those who aspire to be moral look to them as examples. However, the problem is that all their good works is just an act. This is the picture of the Pharisees and all people who are unregenerated. To be specifically, all the religious people who unregenerated. In verse 2, Jesus spoke about the hypocrites who gave to the needy to be praised by others. Many decades later, the unregenerate still does the same. They cannot help others without taking pictures. Before they can take out their purse, they must first take out their phones. If they help someone, then everyone will know because helping others is just a way of showing off. Then in verse 5, Jesus mentioned how the hypocrites made public prayers to be seen by others. All these are some of the vices of the unregenerate. Now Jesus, who knows our hearts, warns us not to be like them. The will of God is not for us to be outwardly appealing when we are inwardly wicked. As one man put it, God works inside out while so many others work outside in. 
When we say, your will be done, we are asking God to transform our will so that we may not do righteous deeds to be seen by others. However, even though the will of God should begin from the heart, it doesn't end there. When we say, your will be done, we are not claiming we should be passive. But we understand that we must engage in active obedience. So to execute the will of God is to obey God's word. The revealed will of God is found in the scripture and Christians are commanded to obey it. In Luke 6, verse 46, Jesus said, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my word and does them, I will show you what he is like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. Now, if Jesus is our Lord, then we ought to obey him. Jesus here is showing us that it is impossible to claim him as our Lord without active obedience. We live in the days when people believe a strange lie that they can embrace Jesus as their Savior while neglecting his commands as our Lord. Now, his Lordship demands that we not only acknowledge his work on the cross, but also his work on the throne. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is worthy of all obedience. John 10, verse 14, or rather in John 14, verse 10, Jesus said, The words that I tell you, or that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Beloved, Jesus calls us to obedience. Christians will not be perfect in this world, but they must be obedient to God's word. Friends, to be a believer is not the same as being a bystander who is sitting at the back observing as God's plan unfolds. To be a believer means to be a man or a woman of action. To be a believer means to be a doer of God's word. And there should be a progress there. If you are a believer, you look to Christ you learn from Christ, then you follow Christ, you walk with Christ, you represent Christ as his ambassador in this world. As we pray, your will be done, we are praying that it may be done through us. As we call for God to do his will, we are mindful of the fact that we are custodians of his truth. To call for God's will means to deny our own will. As I hinted earlier, the tragedy of this generation is that people do not want to deprive themselves of anything they desire. Many people believe feeding their desires is what will satisfy them. However, I want you to know that that is a lie. In Proverbs 27:20, Solomon compared human desires to death and destruction that can never be satisfied. Reading from King James Version, it says, Hell and destruction are never full, so the eyes of men are never satisfied. Our own desires can never satisfy us. Instead, they create more hunger until we become slaves to them. 
Beloved, we are not called to desire things that will satisfy us, but we are called to desire things that will sanctify us. That is what God's will is about. Therefore, we ought to reject every dream we have, every thought we have, every plan we have, and every relationship that we have if they do not align to the will of God. But someone will say, I don't even know the will of God for my life. Oh well, let me tell you what the will of God for your life is. First, if you are not saved, listen as I present the will of God for your life. This is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ. First Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 to 5. Now, friend, you are a sinner. You have not perfectly obeyed your Creator. You have rebelled against the authority of the Holy God. You have rejected the counsel of the only wise God. Your will has been against God's will since the day you were born. For that reason, you are an enemy of God. And you are fighting a losing battle because you are fighting against the all-powerful God. You are in danger of being justly judged by God and of facing His wrath forever. However, there is hope for you. Jesus Christ, the only mediator between God and man, died in place of sinners so that they may be rescued. Now, this is the will of God for your life that you may hear how you can be rescued from your own will that leads to death. Therefore, repent from your sins and turn to Jesus. This is a primary issue, and nothing is as agent as this in your life right now. I pray you heed this call. Now, what about those who are already saved? What is the will of God for those who are already saved? Now, this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of the lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. 1 Thessalonians 4, 3-5. The will of God is that we should pursue holiness. Before God, positionally, we are represented by Christ, but practically, we must strive to be like Christ. Being a Christian means you are not there yet, but you are going there. Therefore, we must keep on moving. Sometimes we may move slow, but we never stand still. Paul goes on to talk about sexual immorality. He says, abstain from sexual immorality. Brothers and sisters, it is God's will that we abstain from sexual sin. Sexual intimacy is not for those who are above 18 years. It is not for those who are more mature. It is not for those who are careful. It is not for those who can take care of themselves. But it is only, and yes, only for those who are married to each other. Even there, the scripture is clear that the marriage should be between one natural man and one natural woman. If you say that, the world will tell you, that my body, my rules. But for the redeemed, for those who walk according to the will of God, my body, my rules gives way to my body, the temple of the Holy Spirit. 
pursuing holiness is not only limited to sexual purity. We also fight against what Jerry Bridges called respectable sins. Things like white lies, gossip, pride, anger, impatience, and other sins that we think are not a big deal. This is the will of God, our sanctification, that we may pursue holiness. Most of the time, we worry a lot about things that God has not revealed to us, when we should be focusing on what God has already revealed to us. The Word of God is revealed. That is what we should be focusing on. We don't have to run around looking for prophets to tell us what the will of God for our lives is. The will of God is that we do all things for His honor and glory. The will of God is that we live for Him every day. The will of God is that we give thanks to Him in all things. The will of God is that we trust Him always, for He knows better. The will of God is that we surrender our will to Him as He has shown us in His Word. But people want more than this. They want to hear a still small voice that will tell them about personal stuff. Now friends, no still small voice will tell you whom to marry, what to study, where to work, or how to spend your money. For that, God has given you a mind to think and decide, people to guide you. And through His Word, He has also given you His will so that your decisions will align with His will. In Matthew 6, Jesus teaches his followers that they should pray and say, Your will be done. In Matthew 26, in Gethsemane, Jesus demonstrates what he meant in Matthew 6 as he prays to the Father. Matthew 26, 42 says, Again, for the second time, he went away and prayed. What was Jesus' prayer? My Father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. Here we see Jesus as a man submitting his human will to the Father as he was going through what was probably the most painful experience in his earthly life. So to Jesus, in Matthew 6, your will be done was a teaching. In Matthew 26, it was a prayer. But in the entire gospel, it was a way of life. And this is an example that we ought to follow. But to follow it, we have to deny ourselves. Bill Graham said, No man can be said to be truly converted to Christ who has not bent his will to Christ. He may give intellectual assent to the claims of Christ and may have had emotional religious experience. However, he is not truly converted until he has surrendered his will to Christ as Lord, Savior, and Master. The will of God is not always nice. It is not always enjoyable. It is not always easy. and does not always give goosebumps. But it is always right, always perfect, and always necessary. Beloved, every mess that is in this world came as a result of neglecting the revealed will of God. There is a bad trend that has been on social media for probably over a year now. When people love, or when people uh, rather lose the people that they love the most, they say things like, ah, Now, a problem with statements like that is that people are actually blaming God for death and everything they go through, when in fact these are the ultimate result of sin. These are the result of rejecting God's will. 
Humans follow their will, but as soon as they face consequences of following their own will, they question and blame God. From the days of Adam and Eve till today, humans have been in rebellion against God. From the Garden of Eden, mankind chose to disobey God, and since then, they have been suffering the consequences of that disobedience. And it will be like that until our Lord comes back. That is why our prayer is, your kingdom come, as we saw last time, and your will be done, which is our focus this morning. What we are doing here, we are acknowledging that our will is corrupted, our will is crooked, our will is wicked, and our will should be rejected. So we pray and say, your will be done as per the teaching of Jesus. Now that we have seen what is required, I want us to look at our second heading, which is the location of the requirement. Let us look at our text. Matthew 6, verse 10b, your will be done on earth. Now when Jesus came to this world, the Jews were under the dominion of the Romans. It was not like in the days of David when Israel was great, when they had their own king who led them to battles. In the days of, of, of David, the city Judea was a great and significant city. But then under the Roman Empire, it was just one of the many provinces. As we saw last time, the Jews were waiting for the Messiah who would make Israel great again. Even the true followers of Jesus believed that he was the king who was going to make Israel great again. In Luke 24, we see some of his followers sad and disappointed because Jesus had been crucified and had died on the cross. Now, talking about Jesus, not knowing that they were actually talking to the resurrected Jesus, in verse 20 of Luke 24, they said, And how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hope that he was the one to redeem Israel. Like other disciples of Jesus, these followers had believed that he was a Messiah. But they had lost hope because of his death. They didn't know that Jesus had resurrected. Now, fast forward to Act 1. We see disciples who knew that Jesus resurrected. They had seen him, spoken with him. And for that reason, they were sure. They had no doubt that this Jesus who resurrected was the Messiah promised to Israel. Now, believing all was fulfilled, Jesus Christ had become their living hope. So in Acts 1.6, the disciples asked him, Will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? Obviously, at this time, they didn't even know, they didn't even understand, the, the, the perf- they didn't have perfect understanding, actually, of the nature of the kingdom of God. But I want us to see that they wanted to reign in the kingdom. That is what I want us to see, that they wanted to reign in the kingdom. For them, it was time for fulfillment in everything. But Acts 1, chapter 7 Jesus slowed them down, and then in chapter in verse 8, he says, he, he shows them that they were going to receive the Holy Spirit and they were to start working. And then he sent them to be his witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and throughout the earth. Now, while they wanted to reign, Jesus sent them to work. 
Like many, the disciples had missed the teaching of Matthew 6.10. And this is what I don't want us to miss. It is a great thing for us to think about the fulfillment. It is a great thing for us to think about eternal life, to imagine a time when all the consequences of sin will be dealt with, and to think about a time when all our tears will be wiped away as we reign with Jesus Christ. In fact, the, the scripture is clear that we should look forward to the time. However, as we await the time, the scripture talks about what we ought to do now on earth. Your will be done on earth means we should not neglect our Christian responsibilities on earth. We are called to do the will of God here on earth. The word of God commands us to strive for holiness here on earth. We should not postpone our responsibilities to a later time when the call is for now on earth. We should not abuse God's promises by using them as an excuse not to do his will now on earth. The promise is that when Christ returns, we will be glorified. But now we are commanded to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. The promise is that when he appears, we will be like him. But now we are commanded to purify ourselves as he is pure. Beloved, we shouldn't wait for eternity to enjoy the fruits of salvation. We must begin now. Phillips Brooks, talking about the resurrection, said, The great Easter truth is not that we are to live newly after death. That is not the great thing. But that we are to be new here. Not so much that we are to live forever as that we are to and may live nobly now. Do not postpone the joy of salvation to the future. This is a present reality. Friends, we were dead in sin, but now we are alive in Christ. We were slaves to sin, but now we have been freed by Christ. We were blinded by sin, but now our eyes are open and we can now see the beauty of Christ. This great salvation has happened to us now. God has revealed this great salvation to us now at this moment on earth. So our desire should, our desire should be to do the will of God now, even as we have received this great grace now. This is a place to do the will of God. We should not wait for a new heaven and a new earth. We should not wait for eternal life to enjoy Christ and his gift of salvation. We can enjoy it now on earth. In Matthew 5 verse 14, Jesus said, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor, be, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. When is this supposed to happen? Now on earth. When Christians are still living in the world of darkness. That is the time for them to preach the gospel. That is the time where their, evangel or their works will be an evangelistic effort. All their good works will be an evangelistic effort now. So your, your, your conduct will no longer serve as an evangelistic effort when Christ comes back. Because when Christ returns, the unbelievers will face damnation and all believers will receive their glorious bodies. When do you need your spiritual fruits? When do you need to be patient? When do you need to have self-control? 
It is now why we are still here on earth. When Jesus comes back, you will have a glorified body. And the Lord will remove the presence of sin forever. You won't need to bear this fruit. Now is the time to bear this fruit. And we ought to do the will of God now on earth. Brothers and sisters, when the scripture tells us about our future hope, when it tells us about our future state, that our bodies will be glorified, that one day we will be perfected and we will live in the new world without sinning. Those truths should excite us and we should embrace those, those truths. However, we should remember that these truths are not meant to give us excuses. They are meant to, com- to comfort us when we are discouraged by our sin. Knowing that Christ defeated sin and that we will practically experience that victory in the future should cause us to persevere in our fight against sin. It is clear that we should fix our eyes on the future fulfillment of God's grace. But as we do that, we must be prepared for action now on earth. That is what Peter says. 1 Peter 1.13 says, Therefore preparing your mind for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That is the future. As obedient children, do not conform to the passions of the former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in your conduct. Excuse me. That is the present. Once again, I need to remind you that God's will is not a call to perfection, but it is a call to submission. As we pray, your will be done on earth. We acknowledge that his will is better and greater than ours. We acknowledge that his will is necessary and therefore we ought to strive to do his will. Now that we have seen the requirement and the location of the requirement, we move to our last point, a demonstration of the requirement. Once again, let us look at our text. Matthew 6, verse 10b. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It is good that Jesus did not end this particular petition with the location of the requirement. But he showed his disciples that there are creatures in heaven who demonstrate what he was teaching. So for this point, we are going to look at how angels and heavenly creatures do the will of God in heaven so that we may learn from them. First thing that we are going to do is to look at uh, the fact that they do it consistently. They do it consistently. Revelation 4 verse 8. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. And day and night they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. In his vision, John saw living creatures worshipping God. As he explains it, he says they do it day and night. He says they never cease to do it. Now John was simply saying they are consistent. In Isaiah 6, the heavenly creatures were worshipping God in this way. And centuries later, they were still on it. So John says they never cease to worship God. They are consistent in their worship. God is always the object of their worship. God is always their focus. The only thing they want to do is to honor God. Isn't that what we are called to do? Whatever you eat or drink, 
or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. That is not just one of our memory verses. That is God's command. That is the will of God. God calls us to consistently glorify Him no matter where we are and no matter what we do. Now, what else do we see in Revelation 4.8? That the living creatures are always mindful of who God is. They are always amazed by God. Day and night they say, holy, holy, holy. They never cease to say that. To them, God is always amazing. That's because they are mindful of who God is. A few years ago, attending a funeral, I saw an old lady sitting in the car. Then the husband came and opened the door for her. Now, for us who were looking, uh, that was amazing. Simply because there was an old couple that had been married for many years. So to see the husband still opening the door, something that they probably did even in the early years of their marriage, it was amazing to see. Now, probably all of us who were looking as that was happening were impressed by that man. We were amazed because we saw that that man was not tired of doing good works. He was not tired of serving his wife after many years of marriage. But there was until the lady opened her mouth. She assured us that the husband was not being romantic. The only reason he was opening the door is because it was broken. So that was the only reason the husband was opening the door. So now, uh, wives, when you see a husband somewhere opening a door uh, for his wife, do not put pressure on your husband. You don't know what is wrong with that door. Anyway, the point is, like that old man, sometimes we get tired of doing good things. We get tired of admiring people the way we ought to. We get tired of serving people the way we ought to. And we end up doing those things occasionally or when the situation compels us. Yet, this is not the case with the heavenly being in relation to God. They are always amazed by Him because they know who God is. They are mindful of who God is. Brothers and sisters, if we are not amazed by God in every moment, then we will not honor God in every moment. If we do not honor God in every moment, that is a sign that we do not really know who God is. And if we do not really know who God is, then we will not be able to do His will. We will not even have a desire to do His will. Beloved, God is amazing. And we have a revealed will of God in front of us or almost everywhere. We have His Word, the Scripture, that is given to us. For us to be amazed by God every day like living creatures, we ought to be friends with the Scripture. God has revealed Himself in the Scripture. The Scripture shows us what God does every day. Every day we receive mercy from Him. Lamentations 3.23 says, His mercies are new every morning. Every day we are dependent on Him for life and we need Him for our next breath. Job 34, 14 says, If he should set his heart to it and gather to himself his spirit and his breath, all flesh would perish together and man would return to dust. 
as good as weather forecasting is, God is in charge of the weather every day. And we all benefit from it, even though we complain every day. Matthew 5, 45 says, He makes His Son rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Now, He also provides food for us every day. We will talk more about this next time, Lord willing, when we look at Matthew 6, 11, Give us this day our daily bread. But what we see from this text is that God does amazing things every day. For that reason, we should be amazed by Him. More so when we think about His saving grace. It should amaze us that evil people like us have received this glorious grace and we will live with our God forever. That should amaze us every day. Now in Job 26, Job mentioned a lot of majestic things that God does. Now listen to what he said after listing, after listing all of those things. Job 26 verse 14 says, Behold, this about the outskirts of his ways, and how small a whisper do we hear of him, but the thunder of his power, who can understand? Now, Job was simply saying, although I've mentioned all these great works of God, they are like whispers, because God is beyond comprehension. He does more than what I have mentioned. He does more than what man can explain. God is so glorious. This is what Job was saying. And we see something similar to that in the New Testament. Paul explained so many great truths in the book of Romans. From chapters 1 to 11, we see glorious truths that are mind-blowing. Truths that no matter how many times you've studied, you'll still be amazed whenever you look at them. However, after sharing those truths, Paul felt like he hadn't said enough. And for that reason, he burst into praise. Romans 11 verse 33 says, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgment and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Friends, God is so glorious. It is not a surprise that the living creatures are always amazed by him. But it is a surprise that we are not always amazed by him. Now Jesus calls us to look at this demonstration in heaven and to do it on earth. One last thing we see with the angels and the living creatures in heaven is their readiness to always do the will of God. In John's vision, in the book of Revelation, we see time and again that when the seal is opened, the living creatures call the angels, and the angels are quick to execute whatever duty they are expected or they are sent to execute. They don't try to negotiate. They don't doubt God's plan. They don't question God's wisdom. They don't complain about what they have to do. Instead, they trust the Holy God. They rejoice when they see his purposes accomplished. They see it as a privilege to take part in his great work. Beloved, this is what we ought to learn and practice. We live in days when people reject God's will. When people think they know better than God. They challenge the authority of the revealed will of God. 
God has told us what a man is and what a woman is. God has told us what a family is, what the roles of the husband are and what the roles of the wife are. God has told us how we ought to raise our kids. God has told you kids how you ought to obey your parents in the Lord. God has told us what a biblical church is and what is her role in a community. But the world has turned all these things upside down. The world has given people different options. And because of this, now people obey the Bible only when it is convenient for them. Only when they feel like it. Friend, if you are a Christian, you don't have any other option. The only option you have is the will of God. That is what God has given to you. It should only be God's will. This is exactly what we see in heaven. We do not do the will of God when it is easy and take a break when it is difficult. We do not do the will of God when we are happy and be excused when we are sad. We do not do the will of God when everyone applauds us and shy away when everyone persecutes us. We do not do the will of God when we receive some benefits and neglect it when we incur some losses. The call is to do the will of God always. That is why Jesus calls us to see this demonstration in heaven. Now the question is, is that easy? No way. It is the exact opposite. It is not only difficult, but it is also impossible without God's help. That is why what we see in Matthew 6 is not just a command. Jesus is teaching his disciples that they should pray for this. They should pray for the will of God to be done on earth. They should pray that God may help them to strive to do the will of God. Now, brothers and sisters, there is a call for us to do the will of God. However, we should not depend on our own strength. We need God's help. But even though we need God's help, we should not just engage in wishful thinking, saying, ah, no, God will help us. No, that is not what Jesus says. That is not what Jesus says. What does he say? He shows his disciples that they ought to pray. So that is what we are commanded to do. We ought to pray for God's will. We ought to ask God to help us to do his will. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Our great Father, you alone are glorious. What a shameful thing it is, Lord, that we are not always amazed by you the way we are supposed to. What a shameful thing it is, our God, that we do not look at this great salvation that we have received and be amazed by you every day of our lives. Now, Lord, we understand that you have called us to do your will. But, Father, because we are corrupted by sin, because our minds, O oh Lord, are tainted by sin, we are not able to do this. Therefore, we pray for your help. Help us, Lord, that we may strive to honor you in our lives. Help us, Lord, that we may strive to live for your glory always. Help us, O oh God. 
that we may live to do your will. And that, Lord, we may see that your will is greater than our will. Pray this in the wonderful name of our great Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.